Welcome back to this episode of Let's Talk About It. On today's episode, we are discussing professionalism, what we believe it means, and what's the importance of it in the workplace. With that being said, let's talk about it. All right, everyone, welcome back to the show. I am joined with Austin again. How are you doing today, my friend? Great, beautiful, frigid Sabbath morning here in Salt Lake City. Got up, put on my weight vest, went on a walk this morning, and having a great morning so far. Similar in San Diego, Southern California, not San Diego. No longer in San Diego. I'll be next week for three weeks doing a rotation. But SoCal, super rainy, kind of cold, got up early, went for a walk, started making the pulled pork sandwiches for my daughter's birthday today, and it's going to be good. It'll be done in like seven hours. So Happy birthday, Nora. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Her birthday's tomorrow, but it's her party's today. So. <laughs> but still. Well, my fiance Mariah, it's her birthday today. So happy birthday, Mariah. Happy birthday to her. Yeah, so we're going to get going. and We're going to talk about professionalism. And we feel that this episode is a hot topic because we feel that a lot of people are lacking this today. And as us being in a graduate school, a professional school, going into a profession that you need to be professional, interacting with people, We've seen that there's a lack of it and that our school sometimes required courses and we want to kind of talk why this is why this is arising why is there a lack of professionalism and how can we help people be better and become more professional and with that austin go and take it away i'm going to start with a question because i was thinking about this yesterday i was trying to figure out how to put this into words and i looked up a bunch of definitions but they were all circular the ones that i could find on the internet how do you define professionalism, Nate? It's a great question. I think it's the way you present yourself around people and how you communicate words and use words effectively. I think it's the way you dress. And everyone's like, oh, you shouldn't care about people's appearance. But it's the way you present yourself with your hair, with your your attire, the way you open a door for people, the way you talk to a boss or someone higher than you. And I think it's more of like an attitude and not a bad attitude because attitude can have a negative connotation. But it's the way you believe you're carrying yourself in front of people around you. I like that. I that's not fair necessarily because I put you on the spot. Yeah, I wasn't right for that. <laughs> good shit. <laughs> but I, I like it. I, like, I think it's a good definition. The one that I was able to come up with, looking at all these circular ones, trying to derive what I thought was the, the most, I guess, generalizable but also clear to the point, would be professionalism is a series of higher than average standards of behavior and appearance that's expected of somebody in an occupational setting. And I love which that. I think which I think you just said, right? The the behavior part, so your words, your actions, your appearance, how you present yourself, and then basically all your interactions in a place that's not just you're with your friends, in a place that where you are in a place of work. You are with superiors, you're with your direct-facing clients, customers, patients, whatever it is, but it's this the, this whole state of being that you adopt when you're in that kind of a setting. And I love that because, you know, when you're around me, when I'm not in a professional setting, I cuss, I talk with slang, I kind of nonchalant make jokes. But as soon as I step into any setting where I believe I need a professional, my my switch is flipped and I know how to be a professional. I know how to interact with people. I know how to be polite with people and also have respect, chain of command and yes, sir, no, ma'am, yes, ma'am, no, sir, and carry that. So I love that you brought that up and made that point as well. I agree. When I'm with friends, I... You know, I won't use as big of words. I'll <laughs> I'll use contractions even. No, I, I I agree. It's it's just a different setting and it's a different vibe. And I think people need to 
realize that, expect that. And then there were a few things that I wanted to see or that I wanted to maybe make these points and then see kind of how they have applied to our realm specifically. And I think people who are listening who are wanting to improve are smart enough to make unspoken connections to their own fields, even though they're not necessarily medicine and being a medical student. But I first want to talk about something that Ben Shapiro has talked about a lot, what he calls face tattoo syndrome. People who will do things that are what we would classify as unprofessional. They're not according to this higher or this series of higher standards, higher than average standards for behavior and appearance. And they'll do that. And then they are offended or they are upset when people notice that they've done something like that. So with, with the classic example with Ben Shapiro, he talks about people who have face tattoos. Mm-hmm. And the second that somebody looks at their face tattoo, their instinct, they immediately will become defensive. They'll be rude. They'll be mean to even customers. Like, what are you looking at? Why are you looking at my face tattoo? And I think Shapiro's right. The correct response is, I'm looking at your tattoo because mm-hmm. it's weird and it's drawing attention and you clearly want attention for that. Right. And I think we saw this in med school. We saw people with purple and blue hair and green hair and all this other stuff. Every other couple of weeks, they change their hair. And I believe in any setting, if you go to any big corporate profession, if you go to any real professional setting, even in the the medical field, uh, a doctor, you carry, you have, excuse me, you don't carry, if you have hair, blue hair, green hair, red hair, purple hair, and you walk into an office or a building or whatever it is, you're not getting the job. I don't care what anyone says. Sure. You know, it's like, I can, I can love who I am. You I, I love my appearance. You can't judge me, but any true professional setting if you have blazing green hair or whatever it is, you're not getting that job. And it's again, it's like, how are you presenting yourself? If you're trying to get clients and say you're some corporate lawyer and you're working for a new client who has a Fortune 500 company, are you going to be able to sit in front of somebody with your green hair and let them think you're going to be a professional to handle their business and make sure you don't lose money or lose lawsuits for them? Absolutely not. Same thing as a doctor. Like you walk into a patient's room and you have bright blue hair. What do you think that patient's going to think of you? Especially if your population's a little bit older too, maybe in their 70s or 80s. They're not going to respect your opinion as a doctor. Maybe not as much, definitely. And uh, I think that'll bring in some question to, is everything okay in your personal life? And are you okay? Like, is this an act of rebellion? I I know, I'm thinking of historically, hair of a natural color, since we're rolling with this example, was tied to masks costumes clowns like those are the things historically that like over the centuries that that was the only way that people had like the unnatural hair colors and so and none of those situations calls for seriousness professionalism Mm -hmm. or would would demonstrate that you have type of that type of presence or that that's what you're bringing to any situation yeah and i think i think it also no go for it and I think it, it stems from, again, I'm going to come as a parent, I think it comes from the kind of fad that happened where I'm going to let my kid express themselves. And I have no problem with letting your kid express your emotions and, and, and be who they are. But I think we went a little too far as parents. I'm going to let them have green hair, purple hair and express themselves. And then they think they can carry that to the workforce. And I'm not knocking any jobs, but if you're starting out in early in your career and going to college and working at, let's say, a restaurant or McDonald's or Apple or Best Buy and you have that hair, sure. But there's a point in time where you have to become mature enough and realize that this is not professional. Right. And it's, I think that there's, I read about in this book called Speechless by Michael Knowles, and he talks about how this, there's this trap laid for 
people who are much more progressively minded like that, where they will enforce these standards or challenge these standards or say, you know, there's, here's a new standard and it by, you know, reflexively, like, let's go with speech for an example. You can't say X, Y, Z words. And then the, you know, the response from people who are like, well, we don't want to be censored. We don't want to be controlled. We don't want our expressivity to be limited is to say, well, no, we should have no standards about that. And that will just play right into the the hands of those people who want certain or who never wanted those standards in the first place. I'm not explaining it super well. Do, do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think Jordan Peterson talked about it uh, in some interview he had. It was like over the change in the way people talk and, and their appearance and their hair and face tattoos, whatever it is, didn't happen overnight. It happened over about 15, 20 years where they kind of took these little steps and were like, okay, we'll give you an inch, we'll give you an inch. And finally, 20 years later, they've taken 20 miles. And now this, what we see as professionalism has changed. And that's why we're seeing in medical school, which is a professional school, people having green hair, purple hair, and having to take courses. We we're required to take courses on how to be professional. Well, if you get into med school, if you get into law school, or if you get into dental school, or PT school, or occupational therapy school, you should be a professional at that point. That should be part of your screening for your application. Correct. And I remember just last year, there was, we were required to attend this mandatory in-person meeting as med students. And we were told it's just a check-in at the beginning of the year. And then we got there and they were reviewing some stats from the year. And then immediately it turned into the real purpose of this meeting is you are not being professional and you're, the doctors you're working with are noticing. And we're in danger of losing rotations because you're not being professional. You're not being respectful, showing up on time dressing correctly you know respecting the doctor's time that's that's something that i want to wanted to get into as well is that being professional demonstrates respect for others respect for self absolutely because you're you're what's the old maxim dress for the job you want not the job you have so you're showing that you value yourself but i think more more than that you value other people right and you show the clients you're interfacing with clients patients whatever it may be and then the superiors you're working with that on all fronts, you are valuing their time and who they are and what they have to teach you and to share with you. And I love that you bring that up because of the other podcast that I, I did for about two years, I've interviewed a lot of program directors and faculty and people who interview and accept students into residencies. And a lot of them are saying they are sick of students and how they're being disrespectful, showing up, not showing up on time, leaving early in Durham, taking samples and products like handfuls and leaving. And they're just like, I want to get out of teaching. I want to get out of kind of shaping the next generation because people are so unprofessional. And again, I'm going to come, I'm a parent and, and everything I do now is how can I make my kids great human beings so that they provide for society. And it's parents fault. They don't discipline their kids. They don't teach them to be afraid of authority. So when they go to school and under in, in, in elementary and high school, they're not respecting their teachers or their principals. Then they get out and they disrespect law enforcement and then they go to work and they think that they don't have to, abide by a dress code or a hair code or no face tattoos because they feel like they're entitled. And again, it's just what's going on in society right now. Right. I think it does start from that age. And I remember the first time your four-year-old met my fiance, you had her shake her hand and say, hi, my name's Nora. I mean, you also had her say, I'm pretty like my daddy or something <laughs> like that. But, but still, it's being taught from that young age. And I'm thinking about the rotations that I went on since you were talking about those who interact with medical students. And there's such simple things you can do to demonstrate professionalism and attentiveness to other people's schedules. And 
and really to sh show you care. I remember for all of my rotations, especially the ones that I was doing to audition for residency, when I knew which attending I was going to be paired with or the resident, I would send them an email or a text ahead of time and ask, what time would you like me there on my first day? What's the expected dress code? Is there anything that you want me to review beforehand? Any topics? Because they know their patient load. They know what they're seeing. And I will tell you the results that I got from that were astounding. I think when you demonstrate that care and respect for others in a professional way, it comes back to you in spades. I had one attending tell me, I have never had a med student ask me in advance what the dress expectation was. So you're, getting, you're already going to get full marks from me. And I had another one tell me, take me up on my offer. So you have to be willing to, you know, be true to your word. But I had another attending when I asked, is there anything you want me to study beforehand? She gave me a litany of topics to review about this specific condition, questions that she wanted answered. And the next day when I showed up and during the lunch hour, when she didn't have patients, she brought the residents, a couple staff members and herself. And she said, okay, Austin is prepared to talk about this topic. If I had not prepared what she had asked me to, I would have been dead in the water, but I was ready. I went through all the things that I had studied and prepared the night beforehand, showing that I valued her opinion and what she wanted to teach me. And then after that, she, she put the residents and even a fellow on blast and said, did you guys ever do something like this when you were a medical student? Did you ever reach out to a preceptor or an attending beforehand and ask, would you like me to review something? And all of them said no. And this lady was a very intimidating. She was a very sharp doctor and like a two-time Olympian and a couple of different track sports. And she told me, I never did that as a med student. So great job today. And that's just being professional. That's showing you value other people's time. And, you know, you can, I don't think it's selfish to look like this, but it's, it's realistic to realize that that comes back to you in, in spades. And I love that you talked about like asking for expectations. What time should I be there? And I think two things that I think are easy for you to become a good professional or have professionalism is being on time. And if you're supposed to be there at 8.30, you be there at 8.15. Be there early no matter what. The second thing is, like you said, is ask for expectations. If they're going to lay out everything they expect from you and you can hit it off to the T and hit everything the best you can, that is showing you're willing to work, you're willing to learn, you're willing to be the best version of yourself. And that's just the stepping stone for you to start being professional. And I think I love that you talk. I love that you brought that up because a lot of people are going to it blind. What am I, you know, I'm nervous. What am I supposed to expect? What am I supposed to get out of this rotation? The more you show those people that you're learning from and, and respect, like you said, respecting their time, that you want to take the initiative to become a professional, to become better at whatever career you're going for, they're going to take more personal time for you to be successful, to become a professional so that they can kind of foster this relationship with you to kind of build you up. People like that, you know, and if they don't, then that's just their personality. But most people, if you're willing to ask for the help, how can I become a professional? How can I be the best doctor, the best PMNR doctor, the best dermatologist? And they say, here it is. You do that. That's the, that's the starting steps, the, the stepping stones to becoming a professional. Well, then in that setting where you've maybe become a little bit more vulnerable, you've put yourself out there, I think you're going to get burned. You're going to get negative feedback. You're going to get correction. So right. then how do you deal with that professionally? And that's hard. Again, I think we come back to that self, that self-thought, that self-realization. Am I good enough? Am I really, am I not uh, smart enough? But you have to take it, you have to learn how to take constructive criticism to be better. That's how you become a professional. That's how you get better at things. If you go into things thinking you're the best and you don't get what you want, you're never going to learn. We kind of talked about that in our ego episode. If you think you're the best all the time, 
you're going to get kicked down and you're going to be like, wow, like I'm a piece of shit. I'm never going to be good. I will never do it. Then that just throws you back another hundred steps. Take that constructive criticism. How can I learn from this? Are they talking to me like this because they're an asshole or is it the truth? What can I do to be better? And I think you have to, you have to find that line of, is this person being a dick or is this person really trying to help me? And that comes to you and your emotions and your self-thought and your self-talk. Always talk about yourself as I can do this. I can learn. I can be better. This is why they're telling me this. I think it's very rare, if ever, that you should respond emotionally. Like you were saying, you shouldn't explode at receiving something maybe you don't like to hear or some con correction or constructive criticism. I think it is also imperative to realize that with a vast array of superiors that you'll interact with, there will be a high variability in their individual preferences of how they like work to be done. Mm -hmm. And so I think initially a good instinct or a good, uh, let's see, a good rule of thumb, that's the phrase, is to maybe try implementing what they say, see how it goes. And this is something that Jocko Willink talks about in his book, Leadership Strategy and Tactics. You can try implementing it or you can go over, you can try that, you can then see how it goes. You can also go in the moment over with the superior just their expectations. They offer you some criticism. Okay, I want to make sure I understand. So you want me to do this in this way, correct? And then you want me to proceed. You you just walk it through with them. I think a lot of time, if you think that your boss or the spirit you're working with is unreasonable, just having them walk through it with you and the implications, if they want you to do something you think is ludicrous, but you help walk through it with them and take it to a logical end, I think they'll correct themselves a bit, quite a bit of the time. And it's their idea and it's not you, you know, being insubordinate at all. And there are times I think when, like I said, you will have things you just have to change just by the person. I was with one attending, the same one who asked me to look up all the things the night before, who took me up on my offer. I'm very, I think I have a practical, intelligent mind, and I tend to guess what people are going to ask of me beforehand. And sometimes that comes off as interrupting, I guess. I had never thought of it that way, but this attending was saying, or is telling me something about the knee and how we need to do. And then I anticipated what she was going to say and cut her off. And most of the, every attending I had worked with at that point had, when I got the answer right or had assumed correctly, they said, yeah, exactly. And then they would go on with what they were saying next. But this attending did not like that. And she said, would you allow me to finish speaking, please? Mm -hmm. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. And so I had to adjust there in the moment. And I, what a terrible day I would have had if I took offense to that or I made a huge deal about it or blew right. it up. And excuse me. Yeah, go ahead. And it's easy to like, oh, man, this person's attacking me. It's attacking me. And you have to begin. You have to again, you have to kind of take your breath. If you think you're being attacked, she's done this her however long she's done her profession. She likes to explain things a certain way. Okay, this is how this person is. Everybody's different. I kind of had something sim similar. I think it was before I went on my trip to San Diego, I was doing a biopsy in the scissors. Usually in Durham, you have this shave blade. But he didn't like using shave blades. He had the scissors, but they were kind of dull. So I kind of just went with it. And I ended up taking a little bit bigger chunk of the skin than he would have liked. But he came in and he was freaking out because he doesn't want to look bad, right? He doesn't want it to come back to him. And he was a freaking out. And he was kind of like not attacking me, but like, you need to think about it. You need to take a step back. And like, if you need to put the equipment down and get a piece of different equipment, I understood that. And I, I walked away and his staff was like, don't worry about it. Like, he's not mad. He just kind of freaks out. I was like, I'm not upset. This is how he responds to things. He likes to speak out and, and be frantic about things. I'm not. I understand it's his patience and that's his billboard that he's working on. And I did that. And I apologize. Like, I'm sorry. You know, the, the scissors were too big or too dull. 
and I had to take a bigger chunk and I apologize. You know, next time I will stop and ask for your guidance. But the staff was like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I was like, I am, I'm not upset. I, I'm able to understand he's not attacking me. That's his response and how he responds. The second thing I want to talk about, you talked about constructive criticism and Jocko and being able to talk through with your, your superior. I think that comes down to his other book, Extreme Ownership, right? If you want to understand what that person's trying to get you to do, you have to own that. Sure, they're the superior, but whatever job they're giving you, whatever job you're tasked with, you own that. And if you don't understand why they're telling you to do it, it's in your duty and your your power. You have to figure out why they're doing that, why they're telling you that way. And like you said, maybe they'll be like, oh, wow, that was really idiot, an idiotic way to do it or a moronic way to do it. You're right. Let's try it this way. Or you find out that's how they do things and you just follow suit. Right. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And nice. I think that, like, yeah, good. Nice. But going back to your the first example you used, you would have made that situation a lot worse if you had reacted frantically. And I think there are some people who don't even realize or don't even think that they're being frantic or giving, you know, really erratic or nar not, not narcissistic, erratic behavior or maybe something that could potentially be hurtful, they're just giving feedback the way they know how to give feedback. Mm -hmm. I went and saw, I was sent in by an attending to go see a patient, and I came back, was giving the report to the attending, and told them, at one point in my report, I got out their x-ray, and I went over the patient's x-ray with them, the imaging, and the attending said, okay, okay, and they asked me a few questions, and they said, also, at this point in your training, you're not really qualified to go over imaging with patients, so review that with me first, and then if you want to, then you could probably go over with the patient. Now, I could have taken offense to that. I could have been like, oh my like, gosh. Mitch, I know what just... I'm doing. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like she hates me now. She, yeah. uh, I'm not qualified. I'm not trained. But no, I just, absolutely. I'm sorry. I should, next time I'll defer to you. And she said, oh, don't worry about it. You didn't do anything, I don't think, gra grave or you haven't ruined this patient's life. But just at this point, you should know you're not qualified to go over this. Correct. Yeah, I was not qualified to go over that. And so I took that in stride and I learned and I didn't make that mistake again. Right. I agree. I think um, let's talk about a couple of things, how to become a professional, and then we can wrap it up. What do you think people need to be doing to become a professional or learn how to how to have professionalism? Let's see, was it our stress episode that you talked about when you're looking to improve on something such as stress, find somebody who knows how to handle their stress, find somebody who is a good practitioner and seek some advice, seek some mentorship. That's, that'd be a great first way to get some things going. If you know somebody who is professional, who seems to have success in that realm with their, their peers, with their superiors and their clients or patients all alike, then maybe ask them for their thoughts. There are plenty of books you can read. There are trusted sources that we've talked about on this podcast quite a bit. Andy Frazella, Jordan Peterson, Jocko Willink, Ryan Holiday, plenty more. I think there was a great first steps to take. What would you say? I'd say it's a classic saying, right? And I didn't, I didn't coin this saying or anything, but you are the sum of the five people you're around, right? So you need to surround yourself around people who are professionals. And you kind of alluded to this already. But if you're hanging around people who are getting in trouble, drinking all the time, maybe smoking, getting DUIs, you're going to be someone who gets in trouble, smokes, drinks, gets DUIs. But if you want to be a professional, 
Find the people that are doing it. Find the people that are being successful in whatever they feel you are, and you will elevate to that level. You never want to be the most strongest person in the gym. You never want to be the most smartest person in the room, the most knowledgeable in whatever it is, because when you are, you're not learning from those people around you. And I think that comes down to the same thing with professionalism. Surround yourself with people who are super professional and elevate to their standards. I think you can also take a bet a lot of times. And I think intuitively, you can think of what would be, if you're not sure of how to dress, what to say, what to do, I would err on the side of being too professional. Mm -hmm. I would err on the side of overdressing, of maybe not saying something potentially controversial or rude mm -hmm. or sarcastic. Mm -hmm. You know, doing going the extra mile to do something that makes your superior's job easier or helps them shine more, helps a patient or a client have a better experience. I think you always err on that side of things. And because I think the alternative is worse. I don't mm -hmm. think you want to be underdressed. You don't want to say the thing that causes tension, that causes feelings to be hurt. And you don't want to ruin a client's experience. If you're a male and you're showing up to something, wear a tie always first. Automatically, that's my rule. Wear a tie no matter what the first time you show up to anything. And if they say, hey, you don't need to wear a tie or you see everyone else is dressing a little bit more casualty, don't wear a tie. That's just for me as a male. I think that's a good way to set out like, hey, this person is professional. He looks sharp in his suit and his doesn't have to be a suit, but shirt and tie. And that's just my steps for as a male. I'm not a female. Um, Austin, maybe you could talk on that. <laughs> uh, just, you know, if you're a female, again, I have a wife, I have daughters, but if you're going to be professional, don't show up in a very short skirt, you know, have like a professional skirt. If you want to wear a pantsuit, that's cool too. Um, don't wear eccentric makeup or these big loop earrings. And again, you're going to be like, oh, you're attacking women or you're attacking how we dress. No, there's certain things you can dress. If you're going dressing like you're going out to the club to your work setting, that's a no. And that's my personal opinion. Dress for the job you want. Or for the job just where you're at. That might be where some people need to start. Just meet the standards of where you're at first before you try and take it up to the next level. And avoid extravagance. Avoid the hair of a natural color, face tattoos, and abnormal amount of piercings right male or female mm -hmm. and one last thing i wanted to talk about as well is i don't think professionalism means that you're a weak-willed kind of sissy in the background never does anything mm -hmm. i think it it will lead invariably to times of being you have to confront people you'll have to have difficult conversations and maybe even you have to have a hard conversation with clients and that is also something that you need to learn to handle professionally. We'll have an upcoming episode on mm -hmm. confrontation that people can reference to, but it doesn't mean that you're just a shadow in the background. You can take risks. You can try and broaden your talents, your abilities, and learn and grow, but it doesn't mean that you just fade into the background. I love that you 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 ended it with that, and I don't want to kind of piggyback off of that, but I think that's true. We're we're talking about this episode is how you can present yourself professionally to start becoming a professional and further episodes will discuss that and how to have confrontation and how to have a, a strong backbone and not be a pushover, but still be professional. So I'm glad that you added that there.